Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey guys, if you haven't checked out Logos Bible Software, for sure check it out. They're going to make you look smarter than you actually are. They've got Bible tools, things from the original Greek. You don't even speak that, but you can quote it now. You can quote Spurgeon, you can quote all the greats, because it's all in there. And even have some fancy little anecdotes from church history. Head on over to LogosBibleSoftware.com. <laughs> I still... Loved it when uh, the guy that runs that thing, I can't remember his name, but he calls me up and he goes, yeah, uh, we've never given you a commercial. And I'm like, uh, Peyton's been just making it up as he goes. It's all Peyton's fault. Listen to the podcast. Listen to the podcast. I've totally been making it up. You know, I keep hitting him saying, hey, give me some copy. And uh, he, he hasn't. So, you know, that's uh <laughs> So that's he gets what he at. gets. It's his fault. Hey, man, if I were making a Logos Bible software commercial, that's what I would tell you. And that is what you tell us. Those guys are everywhere, man. Are they? I was on a cruise ship once and they were there. They like popped out like, hey, Logos, try us out. <laughs> what cruise ship are you on? Well, okay. So, yeah, a little clarification there. It was a free cruise I was given for being a Baptist pastor. Well, <laughs> first of all. And it was a Duck Dynasty First cruise. of all, we need to address the first part. Which is, what would you do to become a Baptist? <laughs> so here's here's a funny thing, though. It was a Duck Dynasty uh, cruise, and uh, nobody, uh, none of the was cool it pretty guys. Much like, like all crawdads and, and. No, like none of the cool characters were on there. Like you didn't have Jace. You didn't have. You had Mountain you know, Man. You, you had. It's, we had like, um, 
I wish we'd had Mountain Man. If we'd had Mountain Man. You don't Mountain even Man, get Uncle Cy. You get like Mountain Man and. We didn't uh, have Cy. We didn't have Jace. We didn't have, who's the, uh, the main, uh, kid, the, the one Willie. that runs the company. Willie. We had the dad though. Oh, that dude well, could preach. Dude, that's the best one. Well, he was. He, he preached, dude. They kept opening up like parts of the ship for him to preach on. And people were coming to faith. It was rad. That's awesome. Yeah, that dude, that dude's an evangelist. I'm telling you. Oh, yeah. Preaching the gospel on a cruise ship. But yeah, they were like, hey, it's Duck Dynasty. I don't think I went to anything other than the, there was like a Sunday morning to hear him preach. And I went to that. Other than that, I was like, oh, these aren't the good Duck Dynasty people. I'm not going. (laughs) (laughs) If this is your first time turning into the Church Planner podcast, oops. If this is your second time turning into the Church Planner podcast, double oops. But if you're a regular listener, this is what we like to call smack talk. It has nothing to do with church planning, so deal with it. If you're a second time uh, listener, you're probably here going, you know, I'll give them that first one. It's got to be better. Maybe it'll get better. Maybe. Nope. (laughs) You hate to disappoint you. Well, I don't really care. So uh, last week was on sin. If they came back, they're waiting for the gospel now. Woo! By the way, I was going to ask you, what is today's topic? Today's topic is how much time should a minister spend outside his office or hers? Uh, did you just go liberal on me? No, I just, <laughs> hey, you know, ministers are male and female nowadays. We've had a podcast on that. I know. I Once know. you're in team leadership, it's like, hey. You know, what's your problem? Well, you know, all I got to say to that whole thing is, uh, walk on the road, hmm? walk right side, safe, walk left side, safe, walk middle, sooner or later, get the squish, just like grape, here, church planting, same thing, either you, church planting do, yes, church planting do, no, you, church planting do, guess so. Just like grip. I love that one. You can't even tell it was dubbed. No, not at all. I no, still... I did it very professionally in my studio. You the, can't even tell. The day you sent that over to me, I was like cooking tacos with the wife in the kitchen, and I'm like losing it. I'm <laughs> laughing so hard as I'm listening to that. It's because you weren't expecting it. No, not at all. Who expects? And then you're like, oh, I'll have it cleaned up and done professionally. I'm like, no, no, not at all. I was gonna, I was gonna go on Fiverr and have someone do like a, a real Miyagi one. No, that no would have been great. No, this is better. This reminds me of that uh, that 300 movie that you redubbed, and it was like all in another language, but you like added all these church planning. Subtitles. Subtitles. And you it train was, church planners when the guys come down and they're like, they go to stop them. They're like, no, you can't do this. <laughs> it was hilarious. And the guy says something that sounds like the devil. And so I have him go, this is this is the devil. And he's like, what are you going to do with the church planners? And he goes, I'm going to take them with us, like the Apostle Paul. And uh, I'm going to train them up on the way. And then they they all the all the characters look at each other like he's nuts. It's so good. It it was amazing to me how well the words fit what was happening (laughs) on screen. Like when I saw it, I was like, "How did that even happen? Like, who thinks of that? Like someone, (laughs) someone. I I didn't watch the State of the Union uh, this last week because I was at the range. That's more important to me. 
and someone took I kid you not, man. Someone took the State of a Union and has Trump singing some Spanish song and it is hilarious. Like what? They dubbed it, right? And so it's him with oh, this you gotta movement. Show this to me. Oh, I the reason why I couldn't is because you know how like now you can put like titles above your videos and someone put right. profane words. They were like, "What uh, the f did he say?" And I was like, "Dude, I can't repost it because it it says that." But it was hilarious. I'll give wow. you that. It was absolutely hilarious because it looks like he's singing a Spanish song perfectly. That's hilarious. Perfectly. Yeah, I love those dubs, man. I love when those guys do the um, bad lip reading. Oh, it's just so good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what's happened uh, with you this last week? What do you got to show? Uh, you know, time? you know, I show up to this thing every week now, and I can't remember Jack. Yeah, I do know that. I mean, that's that's pretty much it. I'm thinking of the topic. I got a head chock full of stuff that I want to talk about, but I I can't remember anything for Smack Talk nowadays. I had my intern, I had my intern here, and uh, I told him you just you just need to shadow me because uh, he's over from Wales. And um, who is it? It's uh, Ben Bisco. I don't think okay. you know him. Yeah, know you might have met Ben. I know who he him? is. I, I, I probably met him at Refuge when he visited there a few years back. Yeah, he might have. He might have done. I think he came out last year. So Barry came out, um, intern. You know, wrecked his world, changed his life, and uh, he told Ben. He goes, "This is the most exciting thing I've ever done. You got to do it." So Ben came on out and. He's been shadowing me for one or two days a week. I, you know, uh, other than that, we've got him with Ruben, Chris Langham. Um, he's he's been over with Paul, so we're we're just kind of keeping him, you know, shuffling around some of the churches. You got him over network. with Paul Percy. Yeah. Oh well, that'll <laughs> that'll teach him how to church plant in Wales for sure. <laughs> Stanton is <laughs> yeah, pretty he's, much equal to Wales. It's yeah, well, he's actually Oxfordshire, man. Oh, well, Stanton Stanton is a lot like the steelworking town that I went to at first. Like, yeah, uh, it is. Yeah, it is, man. I mean, you know, I I was just looking through pictures yesterday because Banksy painted that picture, like you know, on the corner with the the kid catching the snowflakes in his mouth. Um, but it turns out you go around the corner, it's a dumpster on fire, and it's ashes. Oh, great! Have you seen that? No. Yeah, so Banksy's it's not his most recent. I, don't I think know what there's a one is. more. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, he's like the most famous graffiti artist in the world right okay. now. And nobody really knows who he is. He's got a secret identity, but he he tags stuff and pops up. They've done like whole uh, museum wings of his stuff. Like he's had an exhibit. Um, recently, he had a uh, – this is pretty famous. You might have seen it where um, they auctioned off. The only time he's ever put one of his uh, works up for sale and as soon as the gavel came down and someone bought it for crazy amounts of money, um, it, it immediately started shredding itself. Oh, yeah, yeah. I heard about by that. By remote control. So that's Banksy. So he painted a picture like a, a you know walking distance from my, my house where I lived. There was a shredder in the frame. And when the yeah, guy there was a shredder it, in the frame. it automatically shredded. It was remote control. As soon as he said sold, zzz, it started shredding itself. Yeah. Which made it even more valuable. Well, and see, that's the stupid part about art. It made it more valuable. (laughs) Because that piece is now hands down his most famous piece. Because I got to tell you, I've got a shredder here in my office, and I shred stuff all the time, and I can't get anyone to give me any money for it. (laughs) 
depends on what it is. It could be quite valuable. But, you know, it, it's funny. The uh, I was just walking around that that street and I was looking at pictures of it yesterday because I was putting something together for a newsletter. And I just looked at it and went, man, that that was a really rough neighborhood. I mean, you just look at it and you're like, that just looks like a rough place. But it was a rough place, you know. Right now, you look like a lumberjack. We said that before we started the podcast because you got your You like this look on, on me, don't you? Honestly, because I'm a product of the 90s, the <laughs> 80s and 90s, yes. Like you go, yeah. yeah, look, I'm metrosexual. I'm like, no. No, you said you're millennial. That's what it was. Whoa, whoa. Not the same thing. Not metrosexual. We no, actually, I am millennials, not a millennial. Millennials and metrosexuals. Careful now. Careful, Mitchell. Careful. They, they are the same. Come on. Nope, 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 nope. Dude. Not going to go there. Nope. Millennials and metrosexuals nope, are nope, totally the nope. same. Shovel, hole, deeper. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I stand by that one, man. I'll challenge any millennial to prove me wrong. All I got to do is show them a picture of a metrosexual. I'll go, you're the same. You're the same. <sighs> no, but you look like a uh, a lumberjack, and, and you're like, oh, I'm a millennial. And I go, no, you look like grunge right now with your yes, facial I do, hair. But I got a mustache. Whenever whenever I grow a mustache, and even though it's a mustache, Manchu, Yeah, you, you got to tell them. It's, you've got the, uh, the Paul Tuttle Sr. It's the biker thing, right? It's like the big... You know, Paul Tuttle Senior with what do you call this part? It's like the soul patch. Uh, soul goes patch. Down into I don't the, know. To the, the to the goat. I miss I miss my chin thing though. I miss that. You know, where it's just the I, whole chin. Yeah, you know my thing. I normally yeah. like I've had for like six years. Uh, Andrew told me yesterday. No, I like what you got now. So I'm like, okay, yes, I'll. But I miss that old thing. I'm See, like, I'm still waiting for puberty to kick in so I can actually grow some <laughs> decent facial hair. <laughs> It hasn't happened oh, yet. Man. Wow. Yeah, that's that's rough, dude. It Keep shaving, rough. dude. That's all I can tell you. Keep shaving. Keep, Keep shaving trucking. what's there, and it'll grow back stronger. <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, I go, that's it. I'm shaving it off. I'm going to grow in a fresh batch. Right? <laughs> that, that, that's what that's what this recent thing is. This was This was shaved off like a week ago, and I barely got stubble now. You had a goatee when I first met you. I've had a goatee most of my life, and then in the last couple of years, it's gone. A second white. grade picture was you looked way older than your age. I've gone, I've gone, <laughs> I've gone old, man. I, I, it's not red anymore. It's white, dude. All I know is I'm like running and working out now, and I'm feeling it. I remember last year kind of going, dude. When did I lose the ability? And I, I'm sure I said this on the podcast to jump on and off things. Like that's what I noticed because. I went to go jump on and off something the other day and went, oh, okay. All right. Didn't didn't know I lost that superpower. What did you go to try to jump on? I don't know because I got kids, right? Like I was probably jumping on some rock and trying to ricochet off something and, uh, you know, air skateboard, you know, something like that. And uh, nope. Could have been a car bumper. I don't know what it was, but it was like, oh, yeah, that took a bit of effort and uh, we almost didn't recover from that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah millennial you are not <laughs> dude it's like running and lifting like those things you know okay i'm going slower and it takes a while to get it back that's always normal but jumping on and off things what happened there so uh i've actually been jumping on and off of almost everything i can think of right now uh, i jump on and off things right now because i figured I, I need to get this back you, so that's it you're trying to train back up yeah dude I can't, I can't go down without swinging. 
I want to be like 85 years old in the nursing home and just like look at my nurse and go, see that nightstand? I can jump on and off that. I'm pretty Don't sure there was I a can. Seinfeld show you. episode on that. What? There's a Seinfeld episode on that. <laughs> what? Yeah, there's a Seinfeld episode on that, except they're not trying to jump. They're trying to pick up stuff. Mandelbaum. No way. Yeah. Oh, I need to see it. I have clearly not watched enough Seinfeld in my life. I, I thoroughly love that show, but I've probably only seen the equivalent of like 20 episodes. What I think is funny is when you watch that show today, you realize that most millennials, I'll, I'll use them as an example, would not understand half of the stuff on the show, like yeah. the telephone. I'm like, dude, th- they've never seen a phone like that before. Like, no. It's got a cord. They don't even know what that is, that's you know. Hilarious. That's but that's hilarious. the show we grew up on, and that's that's how things have changed so much. Do you remember the one my buddy always quotes this one about uh, where uh, George buys the salad the that they're salad? bringing to the huh the big salad one? Yeah, yeah. And Elaine takes a credit for it. Yeah. Like, oh, thank you so much. And she's carrying it, and she's like, "Oh, of course." And it like it burns him like yeah. the entire episode. Yeah, you know. They, they, he bought the salad, well, but well, she took the credit for it. Actually, <laughs> I bought the salad. You're right? He does that thing with his hands, right? You know? Yeah. He starts trying to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's and great. And it just looks so petty. <laughs> it's so great. I love that. How do you write that stuff? I don't, I don't know. The one that I never really liked but I kind of look back on it now and I find it kind of funny is the uh, it's it was in the first season. It's when they go to the Chinese restaurant and the whole oh, episode is them waiting in line. I love that one. And they're trying to like grease the guy and he's like, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. makes him wait. It's yeah. just like and then they finally leave. And as soon as they leave, they call him out. Oh, so good. Yeah. So good. The very first one I ever saw was the one. And and I was like, oh, I gotta watch this. Like, this is a good show. And then I moved to Wales, and it they didn't show it over there. Like, it didn't hit the British public like like it did here. And uh, Friends was huge over there, but Seinfeld, no. But I remember watching the episode where um, they opened the muffin top sh- uh, yes. shop. Yes. And uh, they're like, what are we gonna do with all the muffin stems? And they're like, oh, you know, we'll give them to homeless people. And the the episode ends. <laughs> With this like angry mob of homeless people with like, you know, trash bags full of muffin stems. Cause they're like, everybody just loves the muffin tops. I mean, you don't even need the stem, you know? So they just bought a bunch of muffins and ripped the stems off and, um, opened this business. And, and the homeless people are like, it's like Frankenstein is how they do it. Like they're banging yeah. on the castle, castle gates and pitchforks and all that. And they're all mad. And, uh, the, the best line, I always thought about this when we were at Refuge Long Beach. Um, where they go, we may be homeless, but we're people too. <laughs> we want muffin tops. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't think there's there's probably a better description of America than that right there. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter how bad things are. We could be homeless. Yeah, but we got standards, man. We want the muffin top. That's, That's right. America for you. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, guys, welcome to the podcast. What about you, Pete, man? What's been going on in your life? 
I'm trying to think. You're not allowed to talk about guns. Can't talk about guns every week. Why? You're like, what? (laughs) Well, okay, we we did the underwear for a long time. We did the cars for a long time. And we did the guns for like more than double each of those. So you have to have a new hobby now. I told you I'm getting into competitive shooting. That's pretty cool. I've gone every night this week to the range, baby. I'm... (laughs) I'm a I'm an addict. So you're 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 going to you are going to compete. I'm going to compete. Yeah, I told you that's going to be my ministry. That's rad. I'm going to go. Did after, you see uh, that? Did you guys. see that shot I sent you from the old west where the dude's like, you come around this church again? He shoots at two guys. And he's like the new preacher, and he's got his six shooters on. It's a cowboy movie. I don't think I don't remember. Oh, I need it. to resend that to you. All right, check your messenger. It's on your messenger. It's a fantastic yeah. clip. Yeah, he's like, you come around my church again, it'd be more the same. <laughs> that's that's he's like I'll see you all on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, I, I've gotten quite a few uh, invites to the uh, come learn how to protect your church. I know, I know, and I, I know get... you have a serious problem with that. I don't actually. I don't have a problem with it. I just I think it it makes sense to me on one hand. It does. Like you No, I understand both sides. Them. I totally get both sides. I <laughs> you know, protect your church with firearms. I but I think if you also look at your church, like I look at Refuge Long Beach and I look at that and I go, Okay, on any given Sunday, majority of people in the church not saved versus saved. Like right. when you when you're in that kind of a mindset, so then if a a a, a shooter came in I mean, you're directly sending people to hell. They, they don't. Right. They're not saved. So yeah, I would rather that guy. He, he misbehaved. He ch- made his choice. I need to stop that threat. Mm. So that way, these other people can't no, have get a chance to. to I get it. If someone were mowing my church down, I'd want a Pete Mitchell right there for sure. You know, like no doubt. Dude, but but the problem what, is, what Pete would be running. Out. Pete would make his sure his own family was safe and then run because <laughs> Pete knows. You guys are on your own. You if, if he pulls out his gun, he's going to jail, and he's not going to jail. <laughs> so, so, so here's the thing, though, right? Like, like what weirds me out is the advertising. Like, I'll never forget. Enter and I were back from from uh, holiday, and you know, I or uh, we were not back from holiday. Sorry, we were on furlough from the mission field. Totally different thing, um, and. We we turned on the radio, Christian radio in Southern California, and which, yeah, no comment. But we turned it on, and there was an ad on there, and it was basically something to the effect of, um, uh, hey, and I've I've heard this one not long ago. I turned on the I don't turn Christian radio on often, but I turned it on, and it was something like this, hey, what do you think your frown lines communicate to people? And it was it was for plastic surgery. Oh, that's but awesome. it's telling them you got to fix your like frown lines because you're you're actually a bad witness. It actually said it's affecting your witness for Jesus. And and I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. Get me out of here. I'm done. I can't take this anymore. You know, like I felt like Jesus getting that. ready to cleanse the temple. Like I'm gonna go down to that radio station. I'm gonna find those people. But the radio station isn't claiming to be a church. You're just, you're just, you're just goading me now. I'm just saying, 
you're going after a business whose sole job it is is to make money, and then we're upset that they make money. Oh, no. I'm not mad that they're making money. I'm mad at those kinds of ads. I think you should then go after the advertiser. Well, that's what I'm talking about. And here's the thing. is really like, I don't know, man. Like, like there's other things we could be advertising. You know, what you and I used to advertise was good stuff, right? We were advertising church planner training, bivocational, and you would have guys – light you up for that. Like you got all the brunt of that. And, <laughs> I and the thing them. is, but the thing is like, I that was actually, that was actually the gospel, but what you would get. So it's, Oh, it's okay to, for all these guys to advertise that, but you would get the heat. And I remember at the time thinking, but like, how did, you know, they'd be like, well, you should offer this for free. And I remember you telling a couple guys like, Hey, I know you work, but do you work for free? And some guys were doing ministry for free, and I've done ministry for free, and I I, I would do ministry. Like, you don't have to pay me to get me to do ministry, but I think your point at that time was, look, this isn't ministry. This is actually yeah, but how none we of feed those, our family. None of those guys were doing ministry for free. Yeah. That was the difference, too. You know, I what did I say to them? I go, so the worker is worthy of his wages if it's you. <laughs> <laughs> That's when he's worthy of his wages. But otherwise, no, he's well, not. And people will say like, oh, well, it's so far away from, from first century. Well, no, because because Paul says, hey, Timothy, you know, don't muzzle the ox. Like if a dude's doing ministry, particularly if he's laboring in word and doctrine, give him double honor. So training falls into that. If you're training others, there's no better way. Like, for example, um, someone had to pay for Jesus to train the twelve. In Luke chapter 8, first couple mm-hmm. verses tell you who did it. And it was actually someone from Herod's palace and Mary Magdalene who, you know, um, she had acquired some wealth by some um, unmeanly gains, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you know, Jesus' ministry was funded. Supporting 12 guys, um, that's the kind of thing that – so somebody pays somewhere. And even Paul, like when Paul was going around and – you know, he was tent making. How was he supporting those guys? I guarantee you he was getting them tent making. It probably if that was his skill set. Yeah, he was he was getting them tent making. And I doubt I, I, I would almost imagine he was putting them to work in the business as he was doing that. Now, why did I launch into that? I don't know. It just it, when I I have to weigh the difference between um, getting people who are are you are you looking at that passage? I can see. Yeah, no, because I remember I put it in one of your videos that we showed. Yeah, it uh, Luke eight and the twelve who were with him, and also some women who had been held of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Jusa. <laughs> Herod's household manager and Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means. Somebody had to pay. It yeah. doesn't say that somebody had to pay. Uh, that, that was Pete Mitchell, uh, just to be clear. Yeah, yeah. Quoting Peyton Jones. Yeah. Yeah, I remember putting that in. Hashtag the, uh, copyright Peyton Jones. I remember that putting that into one of our videos because it was like, hey, you can be one of those ones. If you're, if you're making money and not doing ministry, then why don't you fund the guys who are? Right, right. 
Well, and so, you know, and that's that's what we call gospel patronage. And we've talked a little bit about that before. Um, we could talk about that today. And yet that's not what I want to talk about. But I do want to talk a little bit about George Whitfield, who had a woman who um, funded him. Someone named the Countess of Huntington, who was an English are, are, duchess. Are you moving into the topic? Huh? Are you moving into the topic? Uh, in a minute, in a minute, not just yet. A little, little pre- preemptive strike here, but right. um, w- basically she uh, was responsible for planting 28 churches. And she wanted to see them uh, raised up. And um, and when I say she planted, it wasn't that she directly, but she was there for a lot of them. Um, but she was funding gospel ministers. She was telling Whitfield, you know, train up people like yourself or I will fund their training, and uh, we need we need to multiply you. And from that came 28 church plants uh, for out of her means, out of her wealth. And she was a hugely instrumental um, woman during the Great Awakening in England. I mean, massive. She she basically funded you know who who paid for Whitfield's ministry. So these these are things we don't think about very often. It's a really good book. If you guys want to read more on that, it's a book that kind of blew my mind this year called Gospel Patrons by John Reinhardt. And we are going to have him on Hardcore Church Planning. If you don't listen to Hardcore Church Planning, check it out. You got some cool guests on there. And uh, we will get him on there talking about that pretty soon. Now are we going to start the topic? Press the button, my friend. Woo! Uh-oh. Great Scott, it's time for this week's topic. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. So whenever you say that, uh oh, I always I always kind of half anticipate that you're gonna go, Great Scott. <laughs> Remember those days? Dude, I've actually got a really funny story that I don't think I can share on the podcast, but it's hilarious. It happened when I was listening to the radio this one time. And uh, I I can't share it. I can't share it. it don't it, share it. Don't share it. I, I can't. But it's, it's time. For, it's time for the great Scott. It's everyone time for just this needs week's to trust. It's really, really funny. <laughs> we <laughs> must take your word for that, Pete Mitchell. You do. You do. Because it's so inappropriate. It's not. It's not vulgar. It's just inappropriate and funny. Oh gosh. And so stinking funny. Oh gosh. Can't can't be as bad as that time we were at Rick Warren's church meeting with his dudes and you're. Your tom-tom went off. Wait, oh, dude, that was really funny. <laughs> okay, so I got I to tell you, tell me if we got to cut it. But here's the story, because <laughs> I, I got to say it now. You know it's you know you got to cut it. You're just creating work for yourself, pal. <laughs> I got to tell it to you, because it's so funny to me. So this radio station, when I was growing up, they would do this. You know how radio morning shows always do funny antics and yeah. you know get the listeners to do stuff? Who was it? So what they would do is they were like, uh, uh, they they want you to call into the radio station from your job, and your job was to uh, pass gas into the phone no. at your job. No. <laughs> yes. Yes. And they're like talking to this one guy, and he's like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. And the next thing you hear him go, he goes, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> We just 
just had a, a Skype out right after that story, which uh, I I was crying. I was laughing so hard. Oh, my gosh. That was funny. And I got the best. I will post it on Facebook. I got the best picture of Pete killing himself, um, laughing so hard. <laughs> He's punching the desk. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's what I always think of whenever I go, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Now, now that I have context, that makes it even more funny. Uh oh, <laughs> it does, man. It does. <laughs> oh, so oh, we should do for hey, what what episode is this? I think we're three hundred four, three hundred five. Wait, we passed three hundred. You were gone for three hundred. Oh, we didn't celebrate you it. You were gone. You were literally okay. gone. You dialed it in. You said, "Here's a sermon. <sighs> Put this on." Oh man, here you know we gotta we gotta do episode three hundred and five. Then our next next week's episode needs to be like it needs to be our three hundredth episode, like a little bit late. Yeah, perhaps because I think we could tell our most embarrassing. Well, maybe that's a bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, better to tell other people's uh oh stories, isn't it? Oh man. So, um, okay, well, cool. Um, so getting to this topic, um, uh, let me set this up a bit. You know, how much time should I spend out and about versus in my office? The, the context of this is, as you know, getting ready to plant and I'm forming my core team. So I'm, I'm in a series of, of having meetings and interviews and just, you know, a lot of meals and getting to know people here in their hearts. Cause you know, sometimes people will be like, dude, I hear you're planting. Let's get together. Um, there's guys trying things in the area. Um, and, and so I'm just, I'm in the place where it's like core team building. I'm not, I'm, I'm in my gathering phase for my core team. And one of the guys who would kind of like, really, he would be kind of like a, a, I guess a Timothy. Um, you know, one of the guys I trained, gosh, right before I went to work for NAM. Um, I ran something, something called train station and that, you know, was amazing. Paul Percy came out of that. Um, but uh, you know, other Josh Shinnok, Bo Moffitt. I mean, a lot of the people that, that I would consider now, um, people that are, that are doing pretty cool things. Um, they, they were there. And so one of the guys there, we're going to be planting together. And, uh, and as we, uh, have been talking, he keeps saying, you know, mission, like that's, that's what I want to, I, I don't feel I did that as well during my first rodeo. And so he's handing a church off now, but he's saying we didn't really have that element to find. That wasn't our, our focus. And I can see now how had ministry or mission been our focus, it would have been amazing. And so we were talking this week and he was saying, I, I really want to have that defined what our, you know, what, what mission is going to be, what we're going to focus on. And I, I kind of shared that, you know, when, when I plant, even though I train people, um, to have their mission figured out, normally when you're talking to people and that really makes sense, they're already on mission. They're already in mission. Otherwise you're just kind of telling them like the importance of mission. Mm. And so I said, you know, when I'm actually planting, it doesn't work. Like they teach you in the training where they're like, have a clear, compelling vision. And, you know, and, and those are those are really good things to know. Like those are helpful tools. But just on the ground for me, all I'm saying is it doesn't work that way. Um, and I try like I, I train in this stuff. I train others and I train others how to train others in it. 
And still, when it comes to me church planning, it's like the Lord just going, just walk, kind of like the Jordan. Just put your foot in the water and it'll recede and take another step and it'll recede a little bit more. That's always been the way that God leads me. I just do the next thing. I just do the next thing that God wants me to do. It's not because I don't know how to plan. It's not because I don't know how to do all that. That's just how it works. And so we were talking about this with mission. And I said, you know, the way that mission tends to work, I've found, is not that we as a group come together and say, this is what we collectively are going to do as mission. It, you know, like when we went to to Refuge Long Beach, we met in the park. That was, you know, okay, we're going to do that. But we didn't know that in advance. That was just a pleasant surprise. And then as we did that, one of our women said, hey, there's a bunch of homeless people hanging out around. What if we, you know, could I bring like some apples and string cheese and boil a, a, a big bowl full of eggs? Yeah, you could do that. Sure. And, and, and as we were on mission on the way, things developed. And I, if, if I were to kind of draw a series of concentric circles where they overlap in the middle and you call that mission, one of those is divine opportunity. Like you, you can't, you can't create divine opportunities. You have to wait for those. And so when I'm planting, um, I'm very much praying. I'm very much asking the Lord to go before us, be with us, come along behind us, uh, sowing, reaping, watering. But how do I said I'm I'm setting this up very poorly and I'm I'm keenly aware of that but I'm 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 almost preaching something first but what I'm trying to say is when when it comes down to it when I'm training what I'm really wanting people to do is get out there right and and so if I were training you I I often will look at congregations and they're like we don't know how to reach lost people and I think well of course you don't because your pastor doesn't know how to, because no one equipped him to do it. No one trained the leaders of the church because we don't do that. We don't train them. Um, Whitfield uh, wrote once upon a time that um, I did more good three days preaching on my father's tombstone in the yard of the church than I would have done three years in his pulpit. And what Whitfield was saying was kind of what became his his life motto was, I had to get outside of the church. In order to to truly be effective, I I had to do things out there. And so what what I was telling my my compadre the other day is, look, this is how the mission normally happens. One person kind of, you know, cottons on to something and starts doing it. Kind of like that lady that said, could I just boil eggs? Could I just do apples? And other people see it and join in. We would have never had the insight to say, hey, guys, what we're going to do is go to Smart and Final or Costco and buy a bunch of apples and string cheese and boil a bunch of eggs. And you were there. So, I mean, you can you can comment on this, you know. But we would not have known because around every bin there were twists and changes and things happening that we weren't prepared for. And I would say it happens every time like that. I'm here. <laughs> Any thoughts on this, Mr. Mitchell? You're looking at guns, aren't you? You're like, ooh, I want that one. No. Google. No. Um, interestingly enough, where my mind went, I don't know is necessarily the direction that you are going with this topic, but um, 
I'm going to share it anyway because that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care where you were going, Peyton. Here's what I'm going to share. No, that's okay because, uh, yeah, so, it's, this is a broad topic because it has to do with everybody just doing what God's called them to do on mission. And then that's where the church finds its sweet spot. Well, part of what um, I was thinking about is, okay, years and years ago, this is – I don't know, maybe 15 years ago, uh, as a financial planner, I was at this working at this one company and, um, basically I had just read a book about this mom that in order to, to save her, her kid from being taken away from her because her husband had just died. Uh, she had to make a million dollars and she had 90 days to do it. And so I remember looking at that and I was like, Hey, you know what? What if we took the same idea and we applied it to our business? Cause you know, we were all straight commission only. And I'm like, you know, what if we, we set out this goal? We're going to make a million dollars as, as an office, you know, we're going to, mm. but we're going to do like four or five of us here in the office and in 90 days, cumulatively between all of us, we'll, we'll make a million dollars. And, um, so I went to the, the branch manager and, and he was like, Oh, this is a great idea. And he wanted to get everyone in the office in on this. And I was like, yeah, but it won't work. And so we did it anyway. So we ended up with like 25 people in the office and, you know, we had this big meeting on a Saturday and here's the goal is a million dollars over the next 90 days. And here's what this means you need to do as an individual and blah, 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 all this stuff. Right. And of course it didn't work. Mm. And the reason why it didn't work was because there were too many people going after that goal. And when there's that many people, it's too easy for someone else to go, well, it's all right if I don't do it. Cause you know, someone mm. else is going to pick it up. Right. And yeah, that's what happened. And I was kind of thinking about that in terms of, uh, you know, starting a church plant and all that stuff. It can't, I, I don't know if this is, I, I don't think this is necessarily the direction you're going, but let, let's say, you know, the object is, Hey, we're trying to reach our community. But if you do, like not have a solid core team. And by core, I mean literally a core, like not everybody, not 20 people, not, you know, 30 people, but like a core that is like, this is what our goal is. And we're going to make this happen. I, I think you can get lost. Cause then everyone's just like, well, you know, that's all right. Billy over there. He's, he's an evangelist. He'll go out and invite, you know, the three people and plus another three. And, and I was going to do those other three, but that's okay. Cause Billy's going to do it. You know, that kind of a thing. And yeah. I, think, I think you start to lose some of that potency yeah. when you try to get too many people in on, you know, this yeah. outreach goal. I don't know if that we makes had, sense. No, you're right. We had a couple guys, um, you know, both of them ex-cons. It was Ruben and another guy, Big Anthony. And, um, <clears throat> and they were like, hey, we want to go to a bar and just talk to people about Jesus. Now, that would not have been right for everybody, Right. But that was – they were like, hey, uh, are you cool with this? I said, of course, as long as you guys go two by two and you're watching each other's back and we don't – you know, we don't want to find you like out there like, you know, drinking shots with, with strippers or anything. But like if you're going to a bar and you're going to talk to people about Jesus and you're sharing the gospel and that's your thing, go for it. And um, that – like I said, that, that was just something they felt because they're like, that's where I would have been. You know, before I knew Jesus and I needed Jesus and I received Jesus. Um, so, you know, for for different people, there are different things. And that's what I kind of brought up 
you know, with my, my partner was, you know, one of us will just start doing something, you know, someone on our team will just start doing something, whether it's going after, um, foster families that have lost their, their, their kids, right? Like Andrew's particularly burdened for that. She's volunteering for the, the County of San Diego to go get involved with those families. These aren't the, the kids. These are the broken families that have lost their kids. And I, I gotta be honest, like that's hard. You know, that's hard because sometimes they've lost their kids because they put their kids in the hospital. Sometimes they've lost their kids because, you know, they go to jail. Sometimes they've lost their kids because they can't stop doing drugs and alcohol. That's hard. But, you know, I I think those are the people Jesus went after. Or maybe I should flip that around. Those are the people that went after Jesus. Um, so we, we we've got to go. To, to people. Now, what I say to the whole church, hey, everybody, you all need to be volunteers and join. No, but here, here's the thing. <clears throat> the original topic <clears throat> was, um, the original topic was, um, how much should you spend your time? And, and, and when it comes to training ministers, um, for the gospel, I was speaking to a, believe it or not, a, a bank. Uh, sales team and marketing team the other day. Um, and, and they were asking like, Hey, you know what? Cause I was telling them a little bit about the ministry that, that we do. And they were like, well, do you think the average seminary is prepped for this? Like, are they training guys to do this stuff when they come out so they can do this kind of church plan? I said, definitely not. But it's so like, you got to back up and say, why? Like, if you read what Jesus says, if you read what the apostles did, if you study church history, you'll you'll realize that um, like Jesus talks about in the sheeps and the goats, he talks about the the low hanging fruit. I hate to put it that way, but it is. It's it's the broken people out there. He says, "I was in prison, and you didn't visit me." Why is every seminary student? not going to prisons and training there. That's an, that's a no brainer right there. Right. Why is every seminary student not going to hospitals and signing up for chaplaincy? Why? Like I could just keep going down. I mean, I was, I was, you know, for me, uh, these are all like, I was on a psych ward. That's kind of like prison ministry. And I was a nurse working in a hospital. So, these these are areas that that I was taken inadvertently to train me for ministry. Then I ended up on the factory floor, which is kind of what Whitfield did when he just he was locked out of churches. A lot of people don't realize that Whitfield didn't have the proper license. They barred him from getting a license at one point, and because they didn't like his message of the gospel, this new birth, and they thought he was nuts uh, when he said you must be born again. And so he went to. King's Colliery outside of Bristol because he's like, well, I got to preach. This is like locked up. He was spending like hours a day praying. And he, he, he can still remember like the day that like the preaching gift came to him. And he said, it was like, it was like overnight. And, and people like Ben Franklin would come to hear him and say, oh my gosh, and famous actors. And they say, I've never heard anyone speak like him. Kind of like they said about Jesus in Matthew 7. Never any man spoke like this man. And and it was an anointing. And he knew it. He was like, I, I remember the day it happened and I went and preached like 
all these sermons, and it was like as if I had been preaching all my life. And it was just this mastery of it that, that came from the Spirit of God. And anyways, but he, he said this in his early days. He said this. He said, um, uh, he said the next morning, this is actually the, uh, uh, this is actually the account of that. But, but then listen to what he says next on this topic we're talking about. He says, the next morning, waiting upon God in prayer to know what he would have me to do, these words, speak out, Paul, came with great power to my soul. Immediately, my heart was enlarged. God spoke to me by his spirit, and I was no longer dumb. I finished a sermon that I had in some time before. I began another and preached a Sunday following to a very crowded audience and with as much freedom as though I had been a preacher for some years. Oh, the unspeakable benefit of reading to the poor and exercising our talents while students at the university. Such previous acts are very proper to prepare us for the works of our Lord and make us not unapt to teach in a more public manner. It is remarkable that our Lord sent out his apostles on short missions before They were so solemnly authorized at the day of Pentecost. Would the heads and tutors of our universities follow his example? And instead of discouraging their pupils from doing anything of this nature, send them to visit the sick and prisoners and pray with and read practical practical books of religion to the poor. They would find such exercises of more service to them and to the church of God than all their private and public lectures put together. And he says, thus God dealt with my soul. So, you know, here he was 20 years old and he's obviously, you can tell I'm, I'm going through Whitfield's biography again and I'm just mining all this stuff out of it that I'm like, we've lost this. Like, like for me, I'm one of the things that, that kind of sparked this was I, I, I started dipping into this because I'm putting together uh, some training, like field training for core teams to do, like to actually get them out. And as I'm putting that together, I'm going, well... You know, like I want them to have a practicum, but, you know, what are the parameters? Like what what would a core team do? And then Matthew 24 came to my mind when I was reading this. Like, there we go. Matthew 24. Why why are we not using like why that? I mean, Jesus just laid those out. You know, you visit me in prison. You you see me when I'm sick. You feed me when I'm hungry. You clothe me when I have. These are all things that all Christians could be engaged in regularly. And just know, like straight from the mouth of Jesus, these are things I ought to be doing. You know, this is what Jesus said will separate the sheep from the goats is, is according to Keith Green, what we did and didn't do. It's not what we said. It's not what we believed. It's what we did. That's the point of that is, is Jesus is literally saying, I'm going to separate them by their actions, which he's not saying you're saved by your works. Don't get me wrong. But he's he's kind of summing up saying, this is what my children do when they're in the world. Mm. But we're not training like that's I, it's no surprise that we don't we don't do this or we don't see this because this hasn't been shown to us. This hasn't been a part of our training to me. I guess I just feel like I've I've had a major breakthrough. Um, well, I think that it goes all the way up. You know, obviously, we've been talking about this for the last 300 some odd episodes of <clears throat> most church plans. 304 to be exact. Uh, is that what number we're on? Whatever it is. But you said. <laughs> I can't remember. Come on. Come on. But um, where, what's the point of planting a church? Well, I want to have 700 people show up my first weekend and, you know, 350 of them come back the second week. 
Well, those aren't unsaved people typically. Those are those are saved people looking for a different church, a hipper church, the new church, um, a church maybe my kids will go to, you know, but it's not reaching the lost. Mm. Right. So everything all the way up, what you're talking about is has been jacked up in our whole uh viewpoint. I mean, you brought up in Smack Talk how, you know, we had all these programs to help pastors be bivocational and I would get pastors, you know, telling me I should do it for free, uh, telling me that, uh, you know, it's a shame that pastors have to be bivocational, you know, that it should be all full-time ministry. That's the only real ministry there is. And it's like, how did we get so jacked up? Mm. How did we come so far from what Jesus said, from what Jesus did? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're we're in a time where um, we don't even recognize first century Christianity. I mean, that's kind of been a passion of mine is to to re-preach that and to keep sounding that gong. This is first century Christianity. This is why they saw what they saw in every epoch of church history has that where God has expanded the kingdom of heaven has been a rediscovery of these things. Right. So the, the Methodists, it's really interesting because when the Methodists came about, they, they were, it was like a works-based theology. I mean, it was pretty jacked up. They, they were called Methodists because they had a method of, it wasn't a, me- a good method. It was, it was a slam on them and it was a derogatory term. And it was basically that they had a method to obtain holiness, mm. which is pretty jacked up. Like we'd, we'd all agree theologically that's whack. But what they would do is they would say, you have to get up at this time in the morning. You have to observe this many times in public worship. You have to, uh, you know, visit the sick this many times on and on. You have to read this much of the Bible. And it was a methodical way of trying to, and they were called the Holy Club. That's what they called themselves. But John Wesley goes over to Georgia and gets wrecked. I mean, just gets broken and humbled and gets in all these conflicts of people comes back and is, you know, just not in a good way. Encounters the Moravians, he realizes he's all externals and not much internal, and he gets baptized in the Holy Spirit, and it all changes, you know. Um, Same with Whitfield. Whitfield has this powerful, like, this is a revival. This is what we call it, but there still was this, this, even though in the beginning they went about it the wrong way, there was this desperation and hunger for more of God. And and you go back and you track that God God didn't leave them with their misunderstanding, but they were responding to the prompts of God like they were being drawn to him. And I, that's kind of my heart for this generation. They they came out with the 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 um statistic yesterday, the 50% of millennials, and I don't know if that was millennial Christians or not, but 50% of millennials Believe that sharing your faith is wrong, like it's immoral, it's it's insulting and evil and wrong and shouldn't be done. Um, and and of course we live in a climate now where if you make me feel in any way bad or you make me feel less than or you know and of course sharing your faith is it's an absolutism. It's I'm right, you're wrong. So to a millennial, to fifty percent of them, they think no, this is evil because you're making me feel bad. And 
you know, we're, we're at this place where I really think that the rediscovery of some of these things that, that Whitfield was talking about there, um, that's a game changer because we've talked about this before, Pete, that when you serve people, you earn the right to talk to them. I get that just some Johnny on the spot, loudmouth trying to tell you about Jesus. Maybe nobody wants that because they're like, yeah, you know, cool. You tell me, but show me. Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe. And so for church plants, that's kind of the deal for me. Like, no joke. Like this in the conversation I shared with him, I said, you know, as Andrew is doing that, I'll be involved in that in some way, shape or form. I may be meeting some of these guys when they come out of prison. And that's something that he used to do. He was serving as a chapman. I said, brother, that that was the most exciting thing that I saw in a long time. And I want to do that. Um, I want to meet some of these guys when they come out of prison and help them get back on their feet. Um, and that program, he was a part of it, 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 it got shut down. But the reality is that is a huge need. So that's something I'm praying through. But again, if I, if I tried to approach my, Hey, everybody, this is what we're going to do. We're going to reach. Well, somebody just has to start doing it like Whitfield. And that's, that's the way the kingdom of God has kind of worked. It's how my life has worked. It's how missions work with me. I can't sit in a room and us make these elaborate funky plans and then go try to do it. Normally, it's just somebody's doing it, and the and and other people go, "Hey, I want to be a part of that," or yeah. "I want to fall in." Why did that uh, prison program close down? You know, it it was something to do. It was a subcontracted um, uh, group of people, and something I can't remember what it was, but something went wrong. There was a falling out between the authorities and the subcontractors. Um, I can't remember what it was, but there was, I think the guys that subcontracted, they had a conflict with their boss. And then because they had the relationship with the, the prison, but the business had the contract, it shut down. There was a parting of ways. So, and it, it just ended it. Yeah. That's too bad. So yeah, it was man. And it, it was really cool. I was like, wow, man, this is amazing. You're, you're involved in this. So, um, it's something that we're going to be, uh, kind of revisiting and saying, Hey, how do we, how do we, you know, kind of see something like that get set up again, you know? Cool. Well, let me know how I can help on that. Yeah, yeah, you know? for sure. You know? Yeah. Well, hey, we're at the end of our time, aren't we? Yes, we are. Well, guys, um, while you're doing all that um, public work outside, and guys, by the way, you should be doing something. If you're, if you're in ministry... And you're not doing something, whether it's attending AA. I mean, these are all these are all no-brainers, right? Just going to AA and being a support to people. Um, joining, um, you know, you could join a reading group in Barnes and I mean, there's all kinds of things you could be doing right now. But the no-brainers, like I said, are the ones where Jesus mentions and He tells us. He goes, "These are the things that I want to see you doing." But um, but if you're not doing those things. Start praying about that and asking God, hey, what what one would be right? Which one sparks me? Or is there something kind of like these that's not mentioned here? But somehow really teaching kids to read. You know, Whitfield mentioned poor kids. Maybe you're like, hey, there's there's kids that, you know, like the police told a friend of mine that um, help kids read. Because if kids don't read by second grade, they got a life of crime ahead of them. That's We need kids at eight years old to be able to read. If you're going to focus on one thing, church, do that. That was uh, in Long Beach. 
um, Larry Walkemeyer, who's on the exponential team. And, uh, and they did that and they've seen their, their church seen so many conversions, mm. so many relationships. So guys, that's, that's what I'm trying to throw out there today is get out there. Think of Whitfield. Think of these guys. Get out there. Get out from behind your desk. You're never going to change the world from behind your desk. Like I said, in reaching the unreached, cha-ching. But, uh, while you're doing all that, reaching the unreached, cha-ching. Um, <laughs> let me ask uh, you, Peyton. Yeah, uh, that, uh, this is what I was going for. W- while we're doing all that to reach the unreached, who's going to help you with all of that stress that you get from running a church like the butt? I can't even say it. It's so bad. Oh, I'm so glad you asked that, Pete. Keeping the taxes. I mean, right now it's tax season. You got to send out all these re- you know, tax return stuff. Uh, how do you do it? Oh. It's so good that you asked that question. I, I, I've been dying to tell you about SimplifyChurch.com. What is this magical company? SimplifyChurch.com. What? what they do is they, they, they help you uh, do your bookkeeping. They help you stay compliant with the IRS. They do end-year tax receipts. Not too late. Uh, you know, they, they do all the things that you need so you can keep your mind on getting out there and helping people. It's magic. And all you got to do, Pete, to sign up is go to SimplifyChurch.com and tell them Peyton and Pete sent you. What? <laughs> SimplifyChurch.com. Well, guys, this has been our podcast today. This has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music